Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Right? Well, some of you have already been killing it. It's the new year and you're killing it. Some of you have already crashed and burned. It's uh, this idea that we're going to do all these extra new things that we haven't really been doing, like fasts, and we're going to do these workout plans, and we're going to read a certain number of pages, and we're going to keep these promises, and and then all of a sudden we discover that uh, life is tough. Anybody discovered already that life gets in the way of New Year's resolutions and all that stuff? And so it's a new year and a new dreams, new ambitions, new desires, but then don't you discover that we also face old obstacles and old situations and old challenges. And what that does is when you mix this desire to do the new with what you face from the old, it leads us oftentimes to quitting. Quitting is a part of life. We said last week that uh, one of the things that we have to learn is what to quit and what not to quit, right? That's the, that's the recipe For having victory in our life is we've got to learn what to quit and what not to quit. And so, like it or not, like it or not, uh, whether it meets our preferences or not, there are some things in life that we must learn to quit. So I want you to join me this morning. I'm going to prove to you that there are some things that we need to quit. Out of Scripture, I'm going to prove to you that there are some items in our life that we have to quit this year if we're going to see God accomplish all he wants to accomplish. So join me in 1 Samuel. I'm going to read uh, three distinct passages uh, all around the same story, uh, reference some backdrop for you so that you'll understand what we're talking about. But let's start in 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 15, uh, beginning of verse 10 through verse 11, it says this, Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel, I regret that I have made Saul king because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. And Samuel was angry and he cried out to the Lord all that night. 1 Samuel chapter 15 verse 35. Samuel had nothing to do with Saul from then on though he grieved long and deeply over him. But God was sorry that he had ever made Saul king in the first place. 1 Samuel chapter 16 Verses 1 and 2. God addressed Samuel, all right? Now, wait a minute. Let's back up. We just read chapter 15, right? So we're now we're in chapter 16. Just, just right, right around the corner, we see this taking place. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1 and 2. God addressed Samuel. So how long are you going to mope over Saul? You know I've rejected him as king over Israel. Fill your flask with anointing oil and get it going. I'm going to send you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've spotted the very king I want among his sons. And this is Samuel's response. I can't do that. Saul will hear about it and kill me. So so there's the scriptural reference. Let's back up and get some backdrop. We need to understand. uh, If you don't understand the backdrop, then you will not understand what's going on here. You need to understand that the scene in 1 Samuel chapter 15 and chapter 16 And this deep pain and emotional discomfort that Samuel is experiencing uh, starts, uh, has some, some history to it. We need to see what brought him to this place. Because if you back up into 1 Samuel chapter 8, what you discover is that uh, Samuel didn't want to appoint a king. 
In fact, uh, you can go back and read in 1 Samuel chapter 8, and the Bible tells us that Samuel had set it up so that his sons would rule over Israel after his death, and would continue to operate as prophetic judges in the kingdom. So he had all that set up. And then it tells us that the children of Israel come to Samuel and they begin to whine. We want to be like everybody else. That's a whole other sermon right there. We want to be like everybody else. We want to fit in. So we need you to give us a king. And Samuel resists. But he finally gives in, and uh, through the instruction of God, he recognizes that the children of Israel are in disobedience, because that's a whole other lesson. Sometimes you've got to be careful what you pray about, because sometimes God will give it to you. Uh, that's a whole different lesson. That one was free. You can write that one in the margins of your notes, okay? So, so they beg and they whine, and finally Samuel gives in, and he agrees to anoint a king. And he decides through some instructions from God, you can go read it for yourself, that Saul is to be king. And I want you to see how Samuel sees Saul in these early days. It, it, it says that on the day that he anoints him to rule over Israel, this is what he says. He says, take a good look at whom God has chosen the best. No one like him in the whole country. So he, he doesn't want to appoint a king, but now that he has, he goes, man, this is the best one. This, this guy is the bomb diggity. This guy, he, he, I don't know, what, all that in a bag of chips. How, how far back do I have to go to get you to connect here? Uh, he, he's sick. I mean, this guy, that, okay, some of y'all are like, he's sick? Well, okay, so, so he's the man. That starts a 42-year-long relationship between Samuel and Saul. Uh, and so then we come to this portion of scripture that I read to you. After 42 years of being king, God gets tired of Saul's disobedience. And he gives instructions to, to Samuel that now there is a new king. His name is David. That you need to rise up and anoint David and, and make him the new king over Israel because of Saul's disobedience. And uh, it, it's, there, there's this inner turmoil going on. This, that's the backdrop. After 42 years of... Saul in authority, reigning as king. Samuel, who didn't want to appoint him as king or anoint him as king, now after, you got to get this, after 42 years of relationship, now when God says, I'm done with him, Samuel is angry. I don't know if it's out of, uh, through familiarity, I don't know what's caused it, but now Samuel's preference has changed from not wanting a king to now not wanting to get rid of the king that he had anointed. I don't know if it's his, his own resistance, maybe, maybe Samuel just didn't like change, because I know some of us don't like change ever, like we, wanna, we want the same routine every day, how many of you drive the same way to work every day and you never deviate, how many of you get up in the morning and you do it all in order, I put my deodorant on first, then I brush my teeth, then I get my coffee, then I go sit down, then I put my right shoe on, and then my left shoe on. And if anybody interrupts your routine, it's like World War III. You don't, I mean, the, the, the day is ruined, right? Maybe that's Samuel's issue. Maybe he just didn't like change. Or maybe, maybe Samuel felt like his own reputation was at stake because now what he had uh, stamped his approval on didn't turn out as exemplary as he thought it should have and now he's afraid that his own reputation is at stake because if I, if I recognize that Saul has messed all this up then it points the fingers back at me. 
I don't know. I'm just guessing. But all I know is that from the day he anointed him where he resisted to now when he's told Saul is no longer the right one, there's this dilemma and this fight and this war going on inside of him until we get to this passage of Scripture that I read to you to where he was. And it says it like this. He was angry with God. Angry. Another uh, passage says he's greatly distressed. He's grieved. I like it out of the Message Bible because in chapter 16 it says he's moping. Don't elbow your, your husband, your wife right now. He's moping because God has changed the plans. And out of that I want to tell you this morning that there's a significant challenge that we must face this year if we are going to win. And it is a challenge that God has slapped me in my own face with over the last three or four weeks as I begin to deal with this concept of we must quit certain things. And so this morning I want to say to you what God has said to me. Can I do that? Can I just let you in on my own private devotion life and tell you what God said to me? Because I think it probably applies to you too. And that is this, we have got to quit crying. Let me say it another way. We specifically need to quit mourning what, over what God is finished with. Uh, notice that God did not say when he, when he confronts Samuel, uh, and it says that Samuel was moping or grieving. It does not say. One, one passage says that he was, he was weeping over Saul. He's crying over this loss. And, and I want you to notice that God does not say it was wrong for Samuel to cry over Saul. It never once says that Samuel should not cry over Saul. It doesn't say that. What it deals with is the length of time that he grieves and he mourns and he weeps and he cries over Saul. It's the fact that he's been in a long season of mourning. And so God confronts him and says, How long are you going to mope or weep over this man that I told you I'm finished with? How long are you going to stay in this season of mourning and distress and anger? Because, see, too many of us are like the Israelites when they came out of the land of Egypt. We begin to mourn for and weep over and cry over what we left behind. So it says they wanted the leeks and the garlic that was left behind. They're weeping over what God used to sustain them then. And God is saying, quit weeping and crying and moaning about things that I'm finished with. It's about how long we continue to mourn and weep over things from yesteryear and yesterday that God is finished with. And if the truth be told, if we continue to operate in those things, it would keep us in bondage. The truth is this morning that, that if Saul had continued to be king, he would have led the children of Israel into bondage because of his own idolatry and his own, uh, his own spiritual struggles and his, his straying from the, the, the being obedient to God. And so God's saying, look, you're weak over something that if I allow to continue will put you in bondage. How many of us continue to weep over things that if they continued in our life would produce nothing but bondage and struggle and sin and temptation and yet we sit around crying and weeping and wailing over things that we recognize that God is done with. How many of us have been in long seasons of mourning because of a broken relationship? A broken friendship? How many of us have lost a job, lost a dream, lost, had a lost desire, and we find ourselves moping like Samuel, and we've stayed in this long season of so mourning, and we've stayed in it so long that now what we discover is that, that if we're not careful, while we're mourning the old and while we're weeping over what was lost, we, if we're not careful, we miss 
the new thing that God wanted to do. Simply because we were weeping. We miss a new friendship because we won't let anybody in. We miss a relationship because we're weeping over the old one. We, we miss a, a new job. We, we miss all of these things that were ordained and sent to us by God. But we miss them because we've got our head down and we've got our heart down and we've got our hands down and we're weeping. And you say, well, how do we know whether we're still mourning and weeping over those kind of things? Because it always shows up in your conversations. Have you noticed that oftentimes if we're caught up in weeping over the past and mourning over the past, that it continues to raise itself up in our conversations and we can never move past it? And I want to just challenge you this morning. You will never uh, move past in life if you don't move past in language first. Because there's power of life and death in your tongue. And if you continue to call those things, think about those things, talk about those things, converse about those things, you never move past them. We need to learn this morning the lesson that Samuel had to learn. And that is that there is a season for mourning. Uh, so, so how long should we mourn? Well, the Bible says that weeping endures for the night. But joy comes in the morning. Our, sometimes our morning seasons are way too short and our morning season is not recognized. You missed that. I, I recognize it's a play on word, but words. But some of us are so wrapped up in mourning that we miss mourning. And so there is a season. So we should weep and we should grieve and we should wail and we should lament and even moan if you have to. But we must recognize that there is a season for that. And if we, we don't quit crying, we will drown in things that God is done with in our lives. Listen, I, 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 I hate to be um, the, the bearer of bad news, but please see the good news wrapped up in the bad news. The bad news is this. They're not coming back. It's not coming back. That thing that you continue to wail over and mourn for is long gone. It's never coming back. The friendship is probably not coming back. That job that you lost, it's not like the boss is going to wake up after he's already uh, uh, hired six other people to take your place. It's not like he's just going to suddenly have a revelation and call you tomorrow morning and say, oh, I missed it. He's got too much invested in the new to worry about the old. And it, so it's not coming back. Those things are not coming back. And if you continue to wail over them, you will miss your David. See, if you continue to cry over what God is finished with in your life, then not only will you miss a new thing, but I want you to hear me, you will also begin to suffer from this. Help fatigue. I'm going to say that again. you got to get this. This is a revelation for me. If you are not careful and you continue to mourn and weep and wail and, and, and wish for what is already past, if you are not careful, you will discover that you are experiencing help fatigue. You say, well, what in the world is that? Let me explain. Help fatigue is when you exhaust yourself trying to prop things up that are past. You exhaust all of your energy and all of your resources trying to feed people and projects that are not hungry. Okay, y'all don't have to help me. I'm going to help myself. Uh, help fatigue. I spend too much of my time. Steve, you spend too much of your time trying to feed people and projects that are not hungry. That's what God said to me. 
I'm just saying to you that some of you have wrapped all your energy and all your time to up into things. You're trying to prop them up and sustain them and that you're trying to keep them on life support hoping they will come back to life. And the truth is God was done with them but you continue to spend all of your energy, all of your time, spend all of your resources on trying to make that last. Maybe they'll love me again. Maybe they'll like me again. Maybe they'll hire me again so I'll spend all. And in, in the process you ignore all the new and all the things that would be vital and all the things that would be vibrant and all the things that would be alive you miss those things because you're working and giving all your time trying to support things that don't care about you anymore I, I don't know if you read it I read it I read it to you so you should have heard it but when God says to Samuel I'm done with Saul did you notice what it says that Samuel did it says he never spent time with him again. But you keep Facebooking. And you keep calling. You keep writing letters. And you keep sitting in your living room weeping every night, hoping that maybe they're weeping too. They're not. You're at your desk on Monday doing your job, just praying, hoping, man, I'm just doing this and I hate this place. I'm hoping the old place will call me back. They won't. Okay, yeah. And out of that, we become fatigued and exhausted. And, and then God sends new stuff to us, new people, new relationships, new opportunities, new doorways that we could walk through. And we're so exhausted from trying to prop up and to life support and sustain and nurture things that they don't even care about us anymore. We've spent it all on that. So then when God says, well, here's a new opportunity and here's a new friendship. Here's a new small group you could attend. Here's a new place for you to serve. Here's a new destiny for you. We're standing back here going, oh, but God, I'm exhausted. I don't have any energy. I've wasted all my time. I can't prep for that. I can't pray over that. I can't fast over that. I can't even explore to see if maybe that is from God because I'm exhausted. I've got nothing left. And we experience help fatigue. And I want to tell you this morning that some of you need to quit crying. <laughs> All right, I, I need you to touch your neighbor and be as nice as you can be. Be nicer than Pastor Steve's being this morning. But I, I want you to look at your neighbor and I want you to touch them. Just tap them on the shoulder and say, dry it up, buttercup. Come on, tell them, dry it up. <laughs> Hand them a tissue if you need to. Because if we don't, we will miss, check this out, we will miss next. Okay, I got to move because, see, uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to say one more thing and, and then I'm going to quit because uh, y'all are getting uncomfortable. I want you to notice that when God confronts Samuel and says, how long are you going to continue to mope over Saul? He instructs Samuel to anoint David. But I want you to see what happens. He hears the instructions, but he resists. Samuel says, wait a minute, God. There's a problem here. Can I talk to you about the problem, God? I, I, I heard you. It's not that he didn't hear God. There's no, because see, some of us talk like we can't hear God. It's just we don't like what God is saying. Um, we're, we're trying to wait him out. Maybe if I wait long enough, he'll say something I actually like. Because my preference is we don't do this right now. 
That's not even in my notes. That one's free too. Maybe some of us have heard God, but we don't want to hear God because God has said some things we don't want to hear. So we're just waiting him out. I'll just keep waiting, hoping for the past because I don't like the new. And so that's in Samuel's situation. He begins to resist God. God says, get up, fill your anointing flask with oil, and I've got a new king for you to anoint. I want you to notice what he says. He says, um, hey, wait just a second, God. Small problem. If I do this, Saul will hunt me down and kill me. And what I need to tell some of you this morning that I think will help you in 2019 is this. You need to quit being afraid to quit. Too many of us are afraid of allowing the old to die because we are so personally invested in the past that we think it will kill us if we embrace what God is trying to do in us today. Okay, some of you didn't get that. So some of us have been given instructions to move to the new thing, but we resist the new thing simply because we fear that the old that we had invested in will rise up and destroy us. But I came to tell you that sometimes funerals precede births. And if you hang out at the grave too long, you will miss the opportunity to visit the crib. See, the the new is always cradled in the death of the old. You will never get the new of B if you don't embrace the death of A. And some of us have been hanging out at A for so long that when God says, hey, there's a new thing, a new season, a new opportunity, a new job, a new relationship, a new friend, we are mourning and so scared of losing A that we ignore B. And we never experience B. See, our next is wrapped up in our obedience to bury what was before. Forgetting the former things. Sound like New Testament to you? Forgetting the former things, I press on to the new, what God has for me new. Let's go back to the Old Testament. Behold, I do a new thing. We just, sounds like some DC talk from about 1990 to me. Uh, uh, God is doing a new thing. But we love, see, I just went back to the past. I'm mourning over the loss of the past. Come on, DC talk. Reunite. We need you. Uh, but, but we mourn. So I can't embrace like Lecrae because I'm stuck with DC talk. So I'm missing it. You see what I'm saying? We all do it. We don't even know we're doing it. We're scared to death. And so we become afraid, uh, and we, 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 we've got to come to this place where we quit being afraid to quit. God has spoken to some of you about some things you need to quit. Some of you need to quit smoking, and you're scared to death. I've invested, I mean, i got stuff everywhere. It'll be too hard. Some of you need to quit, quit a relationship you're in because it continues to destroy you, but, but you're so scared of being alone that you'd rather be miserable than alone. Some of you need to go into what God has said to go into in your job this year, but you're scared to death to quit what you are so familiar with because you'd have to learn something new to do. Um, <laughs> I am convinced for us that there is, in, in, in the kingdom of what God, and the destiny of what God is trying to produce in this, in this place and in us, that there is always a new king in the wing. Something new that God wants to do. But how many of you know you can't experience the new king if you're strapped to Saul? 
that Samuel situation. He, he was at the place that he was going to literally miss the opportunity to be a part of anointing a new day. And by the way, I don't know if you know your history, but you should. The greatest king in the history of Israel goes by the name of Saul. No. Their flag has the emblem of Saul. No. Everywhere you go in Israel, you still hear about and you're confronted with a king by the name of David. Samuel was about to forfeit the opportunity to anoint and be a part of what God was going to do in his day that would have generation after generation after generation after generation after generation of impact even to 2019 simply because he was afraid to quit. It was a custom uh, of some ancient tyrants that when they wished to put, pe- put men, uh, like they, they, they found uh, a man that had done uh, an egregious crime I mean it was just unacceptable it was the worst of the worst they this is how they would uh, enact capital punishment because they wanted the, 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 the criminal to experience the pain and the destruction that the that they had caused in other people's life this is what they would do they would take a, the usually in a murder case they would take the victim of the murder the one that had been killed, and they would strap the dead body of the dead one to the live one, back to back. They would take the dead body of of, of the victim and they would find the person that murdered them, they would convict them, and the punishment was that they would strap the dead body on the back of the live murderer and for the rest of his life, which wasn't very long by the way, because he he would have to carry that dead body everywhere he went until the death that was in in the body of the victim would begin to invade the life of the man dragging the dead body. And slowly over a period of time, it would corrupt him and rot him and they would become putrid and it would destroy the life of the living. And I watched some of you walk around here with the dead things of your past and dead relationships and broken friendships and dead dreams and dead ambitions and you've allowed it become to become like a dead body strapped to your back and slowly it corrupts your perspective and slowly it corrupts your hope and slowly it makes you cynical and slowly it makes you critical and slowly it makes you disgusted and slowly it exhausts you and slowly it grabs the life in you and it extinguishes the life in you simply because you won't cut what God is finished with off. You can carry that dead stuff around as long as you want to and watch your hopes rot out and your dreams die. Listen, I think what what God is saying, what He said to me and what I'm saying to you, maybe it is just for me, but I don't think it is. I think what God has said to me and what I've tried to operate in over the last three to four weeks, and it's been a life changer for me. I just want to be honest with you. I feel better right now about life than I've felt in months simply because I've quit crying over stuff God's done with. Well, you say, what does that mean for you? How, do you, how did you practically do that? Well, first of all, I quit following some people on Facebook. Honestly. Because every time I'd read their Facebook, it would remind me of things that God was done with in my life. But it would just be like, hey, this is still going on. This is still going on. I had to, 
I had to per I didn't unfriend them. I unfollowed them. I had to distance myself from some folks. I had to spend some time differently than I could sit. Y'all don't know because y'all aren't with me every day. There have been times over the last few months you would have been really disappointed in your pastor because I was sitting in my living room with the lights off moping. Moping. God, please. Don't be done with that. Please don't be done with that. Please. I like the old king. But I, I'm not with you either. And I have a sneaking suspicion that some of y'all been sitting in some places too, moping, crying, whining, critical of the new because you're so attached. I just believe that what God has said to us this morning is very simple. Cry it out for a season. Weep over it for a season. Argue with God about it. You won't win, but argue with God about it. Tell him how wrong he is. He's a big boy. He can handle it. Tell him he made a mistake. Tell him he, he, he's done you wrong. Quail. Shake your fist. Scream. But then you've got to come to grips with it and bury it. Dig a hole and offload what you've been moping over. How will we know that you've conducted a funeral? How will we know that you've gotten over what God's done with your life? How will we know? Because when we talk to you, you won't bring it up again. That, that flew right back there and they came and slapped me in my face. We'll know because some of you, you're like a broken record. We, it doesn't matter what we're talking about. It, what you're stuck on comes back, comes back, comes back, comes back. We will know whether you've wept over it and gotten rid of it and offloaded it because you'll quit talking about it because it won't matter anymore. So conduct a funeral and lay to rest the anger, the bitterness, the desire for revenge, the brokenness, the desire to get the last word. Cry over it, mourn over it, but then you've got to come to this place where you're willing to throw it in the grave and get up and move to next. And I want to invite you this morning to examine your life what have you been spending your season on? Some of you are exhausted because you're experiencing health fatigue. All of your energy, all of your efforts are, have been going to try to sustain something that God said, I'm done with. And I want to challenge you this morning. Examine your own life. What are you spending your time grieving over, wailing over, whining about that God says, look, I got all this brand new stuff for you, but I can't give it to you until you get over that. And I, and I just want to tell you, it doesn't, see, I, 
I think we got God wrong. I, I think we got this whole thing wrong. I think, I think some of us think, well, I'm going to need like six weeks of revival services, Steve. If you do six weeks of revival services, I come up here every night, and by the end of six weeks, I can get over it, and I'll be able to spend enough time with God to get over it. I don't know. I, I just think God's stronger than that. I think that this morning, in about a five-minute period, you can get up and go, man, I, I, I'm, I don't like this, God. I want to just tell you the truth, God. I'm pretty angry with you. Uh, I am distressed. I don't like it a bit what you've done. Y'all ever have conversations with God like that? Or y'all just so holy you glow in the dark? Because like, I think you can handle our real. And I think, I think we can come in one sitting and say, you know what? I don't like it. I, I'm not pleased by it. I wouldn't have done it like this. Like if I were God. But since I'm not. I think in one small moment you can have an attitude change and a perspective change and a conversation change and a heart change and you can quit crying over that and see all that God has for you in one moment. So I want you to stand with me this morning. Father, you've heard me try to articulate what you said to me in private. sitting in my office at home moping I heard as clear as the voice I hear bouncing back to me over this microphone right now I heard you say why are you crying over what I'm finished with so father I pray that somehow some way I I pray that you would allow your voice to sound through my voice For just this split moment in time, I pray that you would allow the voice of God to sound exactly like the voice of Pastor Steve, just for one moment. And I pray that as my voice has gone out, that we would discern the voice of God and what you're saying. to and, And for each of us, we would apply it to our situation, our dilemma, our life. And I pray that you would penetrate past the little perfect smiles we put on our face on Sunday morning when we come together. And for just a, 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 just a moment, you would allow us to be real and transparent. Not with each other necessarily as much as with ourselves. And we would recognize that there are some things and some people and some opportunities that went south on us. And we've been carrying around the dead thing so long that it's beginning to kill us. And so, Father, this morning, I pray that you would produce freedom in this house and we would learn to quit crying and we would not be afraid to to quit, to quit those things that you're finished with. I pray you would accomplish that in Jesus' name. I want you, in this moment, if you're here and you would say... Steve, I've got some things I need to quit crying over. I've got some things that that I have been in this long season, this long season of moping over and mourning and and, and lamenting. And and, and I recognize that if I continue to do that, I'm not going to be able to move into new. I I, I need some help. I need God to step in and give me the ability to, to, to move past those things. If that's you, I want you to quickly step out and come and find you a place to pray. Quickly, don't wait. If that's you, I've been mourning 
grieving over my loss for too long. Uh, everybody here thinks I'm over it, but I'm not over it. I, there's some residue of some things in my life that I can't seem to get past. There's some brokenness in me. I, I feel abandoned. I feel betrayed. I feel left behind. I feel hopeless. I feel like I don't know what to do. I feel like, why me, God? Why me? And why me? And I mope and I cry and I won't operate in my gifts simply because I'm mourning over what happened what was done to me what was said about me what I'd hoped for what I had longed for what I had dreamed about well everybody will think less of me quit being afraid to quit one more time is there anybody else that would say that's me I I got some things that keep me in bondage because I keep hoping they'll come back and I recognize this morning they're not going to come back and I need to go on. I need to move on. Father, I pray that in this very quiet and private moment that you would do what we cannot do. Father, I pray in this private moment those standing, those kneeling, that you would do what we cannot do. Do deep, hard work on us. I pray that in this moment, we give you permission, God, in this moment. We're big, we're, we're strong enough for you to be honest with us, God. So I pray that you would speak as clearly and distinctly and as bluntly to us as you did, Samuel. And I pray that in this very moment we would hear the voice of God resonate in our spirit and say, you've wept over that long enough. You've cried over that long enough. You've whined about what took place long enough. You've lamented long enough. Mourning is only supposed to last for a season and then joy is supposed to come into your life and you have not experienced joy because you haven't gotten over the mourning. Speak clearly. Speak clearly. Speak clearly. Speak clearly. This is what I want us to do. If you're still standing here in the back and, and, and you've had God do this to you where he's spoken to you about something he's done with and you've resisted it and fought it and it's hurt but you've moved on and you've experienced the new then I want you to quickly move out and find one of these to pray just real quickly just come and lay a hand on one of them and say hey I, I know exactly what you're going through I, I've experienced what you, you've been through I, I recognize and I just pray strength right now come on would you help me pray over them this morning God we pray for our brothers and our sisters these are our family members that have experienced things that have broken their hearts and that they prefer. They would like to go back to their preference. They would like to go back to, to, to better days. But this morning we're willing to move on. We're willing to move on. Let them be willing to move on. Give them the strength to move on. Give them the strength to move on. Give them the courage to move on. Give them the ability to move on because you've got something new for them. There's a new season. There's a great season. There's a better season. There's a bigger season. And we don't want them to miss 
what you've got in store for them because they're so wrapped up in what you're finished with. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.